bag of four grits. I kind of want to talk about this phenomenon that's been happening recently uh, because we've been talking about Oppenheimer and how everybody and their brother, every about forgetting Sandy Jenkins, every white man in Hollywood. Stop. What, stop saying that <laughs> over and over again. I'm sorry. Jackson, you've got the <laughs> disease. I hate to break it to you. Uh, uh, how it seems like every, like everybody in Hollywood is in this new Christopher Nolan movie and like, but that there are like movies like that that are happening like constantly. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Where it's just like a movie directed by a cool director that seems like it has a half decent budget and the cast list is just pages Fucking long. Stacked. Like yeah. everybody and their brother wants in on this thing. It really feels like we're getting into like the MGM like 1950s like oh you mm. come to the movies for the stars like Yeah. We're but it's, it's our like stars around. Yeah, but it's like quantity over quality though. Because in the '90s, it was like a Tom Cruise movie. Yeah, Come yeah. see Tom Cruise in this movie. Tom Cruise does a thing. You're gonna love it. And He's now it, it feels like it's like who's in your movie? It's like well, we've got uh, 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 Timothy Chalamet and Florence Pugh, and they're like, is that all? And you're like, yeah. It's what like, about Sorsha? No, <laughs> but now you gotta be like. Timothy Chalamet, Florence Pugh, fucking Zendaya. Robert Pattinson, Zendaya. Yeah. Like, I mean, Dune is kind of like that. Like, Dune is so stacked. Dune is definitely like that. <laughs> but you know who did it first? Hail Caesar. Oh, Hail Caesar. They really sure. did. They stuck really did. the landing. Yeah. They yep, stuck yep, yep. it. Listen, and like, Hail Caesar walked so Dune could run. I've said it a million like, times. Yeah, yeah, and like both Knives Out and Oppenheimer, don't look up. Definitely, yeah. definitely. It seems like we're in such a mode right now where like talent wants to be a part of non-franchise movies. Yeah, no, definitely. Mm-hmm. And you can tell because like if you have a non-franchise movie with a decent budget and a good director. Like, Put me in, coach. You can get yeah. anybody you want, apparently. There are no rules. You can get just- Get fucking George Clooney in here. Yeah, little three-line bit part and they want to be a part of it. Exactly. You're like, Dave Bautista's in this for like 45 seconds? God, like yeah. everybody wants in. Oh my god, I'm so excited for Knives Out Two. Yeah, he's just like the fucking bellhop. Dave <laughs> <laughs> Bautista's the butler. God. Oh my <laughs> fucking god, Knives Out Two. Dave Bautista is the butler. The butler. Like, you rang, sir. Oh my god. I'm would, just imagining. I would oh, lose fuck. my mind. They'd be like, Dave Bautista. <laughs> In, like, a tuxedo, and he's got, yeah. like, a tray. Yeah. <laughs> the white gloves. And yeah, he never says gloves. anything until, like, the end of the movie where it's, like, revealed that he was the murderer, and then he's just, yeah. like, oops. And you're like, and oh, he, like, damn, damn. Or does he, like, tear his shirt off? <laughs> and he just, like, starts yeah. throwing like, hands with everybody coming at him. We should have known he was the murderer. He could kill anybody he wants yeah. to. <laughs> We couldn't stop him if we wanted to. I should have suspected the butler when I realized he weighed 900 pounds and could bench press one ton. <laughs> Maybe they'll do, like, they'll Captain America his body so that he gets a little scrawny body. <laughs> he looks scrawny. He, like, looks regular. But it's still Dave. But, like, Dave Bautista is so huge. Like, his head is enormous. Like, you so can't... is Chris Evans. That's not even true. Like, you can put Chris Evans' Squish head on Squish a little him. body. He has, like, a reasonably proportioned squish head. Him. Dave Bautista's head... Squish him. Squish him. We're saying squish him. Dave Bautista's head weighs more than my entire body. <laughs> <laughs> Not if you 
Squish it. Squish it. It wouldn't work. Anyway, Squish hi. Welcome man. to the Cool Takes Podcast, <laughs> the only bad movie podcast where the bad movies are good, actually. Every week we mount a sincere and unironic defense of an unpopular or unliked movie in an effort to successfully gaslight our audience into having bad taste. My name is Jackson McMurray. My name is... My name, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck was that? Oh no. Uh-oh. My name is Alan McMurray. Uh, my name is Keisha Rhodes and Aaron Z is the cutest one. He is. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so that's usually our premise. Usually our premise is we like to gaslight our audience. But today we're just taking a little break. This is um, going to be one of our classic Pixar episodes where we just say yes. it's good over and over and over <laughs> yeah. again, and we will be right. Because we've covered every Pixar movie that's come out since we started Ever. doing this podcast. Ever. No, we didn't. Uh, do, we haven't done Monsters U. I said that since came that came out since we started the podcast. Oh, sorry, I wasn't listening I to you. Yeah, we've also done a lot of <laughs> other ones in our early days when we <laughs> yeah, just yeah, were yeah, doing yeah. whatever we wanted. What but... about Monsters U? What about Monsters <laughs> U? Monsters U? Jackson? I feel like. I feel like Who's we could. Kappa, baby? <laughs> I could definitely do a Monsters U episode. I don't know if I could do a Finding Dory episode though. I, I could oh. say some things about Finding Dory. Uh, because I think Monsters U is like pretty good and kind of underrated. I I think Finding Dory is just mostly boring. <laughs> That's, That's kind of my. It's kind of my I stance. I agree. I agree. Well, Monsters U, I think is a very. It's like a mid tier Pixar movie. Like, of course, yeah. it's gorgeous, and of course, I cry. But it's just like good. Like, it's solid. It's a solid yeah. flick. Uh, but fucking yeah. Disney fucking hit it out of the park on like the like marketing and like making hats and clothes off of it. Oh, like, yeah. all the shit that's, like, Monsters U branded is just, like, phenomenal. Like, you can get the little hat in yeah. Disneyland yeah. that says M-U on okay, it. I fucking okay. love that. That's, like, the biggest legacy of that movie is, like, if you go to Disneyland, one out of every four dads is going to have a hat that says Monsters U on it. And I love it. And I love yeah. it. <laughs> it's great. It's a good hat. It's just, like, the perfect amount of, like, subtle branding. Exactly. It's perfect. What's the... Where did, where did um the Bullwinkle the movie go to school? What? Do you remember? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What's the matter you? Oh, he went to what's the matter university? What's the matter oh, you? Oh, oh okay. Okay. All right. Was that in like the old <laughs> cartoons? What is that? I was really worried about you for a second. Yeah, dude. Yeah, you didn't grow up watching Rocky and Bullwinkle <laughs> and Friends? And he attended what's the matter you in That's Minnesota? That's a funnier joke than I would have given credit to like a cartoon from the 60s. <laughs> No, that feels yeah. about right. No, it was pretty funny. I like, I love Rocky and Bullwinkle. As we talk about uh, Turning Red, I just want to say real quick is that like this movie has become sort of a weird epicenter of like ridiculous, like bad faith conservative criticism about this or that or the other thing. Mm. And like we could, we could make a big fucking meal out of it and talk about how those people are dumb and stupid, but we don't want to, we're not going to give it the attention. Like if it comes up, it comes up, but and we would get views. We would get views, but damn, no, we wouldn't. No, we don't wouldn't. pretend. <laughs> uh, just disclaimer. We know all that fucking bullshit is happening, but we're choosing to mm. ignore it. Cause it's not worth yeah. the attention and it's all drummed up by fucking, social media algorithms and whatever anyway it's all just the man man but yeah just don't be sexist or racist you know? <laughs> yeah it's yeah, really easy yeah. we're I not mean, gonna be sexist or racist not gonna do it we took a pledge we did yeah <laughs> i can't even be racist to the chinese <laughs> i've tried <laughs> i can't <laughs> I've been trying to do it myself at that point. I've been trying to do it. It just doesn't take. Yeah, nobody believes me. 
everything I say is right and true. <laughs> yeah. But this movie, okay, may I? May you I? May. The floor. If I may. There you I are. was waiting for you because it feels weird for me to just be like, Keisha, you're Chinese. <laughs> Speak about yeah. it. Yeah. Here's the deal. Is that a couple of years ago or whenever they made the announcement, like after Bao came out, right. which was the, the Pixar short to um, Incredibles 2. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. When it came, I was watching that and I was like crying because for a full so five good. minutes, I could just point to things that I was like, my grandpa does that. My uncle does that. I do that. I love that thing. <laughs> I do that. I do that. I do, I do that. I, I wanted to say the vine also. <laughs> we all wanted to. We love saying vines. Um, <laughs> we just want to say the vine. But like, I will say that like the a modern Chinese American experience is just not something that is put on TV screens, movie screens very often. It's still kind of mm. like drumming up. And that was before Crazy Rich Asians came out, before Shang-Chi came out. Um, mm. Like the last thing I can really think of is American Dragon, Drake, Jake Long, which Hell is a yeah. great, great show. Um, like, and that is about, or like, um, like, I, I don't, was the one that learned, teaches you how to count? Oh, oh, oh Ni Hao Kai Lin. Where do we, where do we put Jackie Chan Adventures? Jackie Chan Adventures? Keisha, what about Wish Dragon? What about Wish Dragon? I don't even Keisha? know what that is. What's Wish Dragon? It was a great Netflix original animated movie that was Aladdin, but it was a Chinese dragon. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh my that. gosh! <laughs> oh, Over the Moon. Is it mo- That's it's a modern. One. Oh yes, no. Over the Moon came out after though. Yeah, after yeah, 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 yeah. Was that movie called Over the Moon? What was it called? It was called. It was over called Over the Moon. The moon. Okay, sure. Which, Hold but on. so Bao comes out. I'm like, oh, that was so great. Nice. Short, tight, five minutes. Oh. Um, and then when Turning Red was announced, and it was going to be like a full feature film. Right. You know? By the same person, yeah. By the same director, the same writer. I was like, oh my gosh, it's so exciting. And then when I found out it's going to be about a girl who turns into a red panda, I was like, you lost me. You lost me. I don't understand how this like is going to be good. I don't, like, I trust Pixar, but like, how could this be any good? It feels too much. But like... When they said it takes place in Canada, she's a Chinese Canadian girl in the early 2000s, (laughs) obsessed with early 2000s culture, who loves boy bands. I was like, is she in band? It was just not fair. Like, it's all of these things just started like compiling where I was like, Oh, she she's Chinese Canadian. She loves like all of these things that I love. It's all of my identity, my yeah. identity <laughs> ma- like markers. Like who am I? Like moving through this world. It's literally just May May. Like yeah. that, right. that is my. <laughs> so, and this and I saw. So I was like, oh, what if I? What if that thing happens where like I'm supposed to love it and I don't love it, but I loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did love it. Right. Yeah. You get a little in your head about it. Real, yeah, because everyone's like, eh, did you see it? Did you see it did yet? You, what did right. you think? Like, yeah. <laughs> I want to divert for just a moment. Quick tangent. Wish okay. Dragon, I want to be oh clear, <laughs> completely and totally the plot of Aladdin. Okay. It's like a guy yeah. is in love with a girl, but she, she sees higher status than him. He finds a genie. He wishes to be wealthy or whatever and then they fall in love like literally exactly and then the they same have thing. their babe weight moment yeah right so okay you got jimmy wong you got john chu you got constance Wu doing their thing 
uh, fourth credited Jimmy O. Yang from Silicon Valley playing the role of Short Goon. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then apparently Jackie Chan, not in the English dub of the movie, but provided voices for the Mandarin dub of the movie. Oh. Seems weird. Seems yeah, like you would have. It just seems weird. Like, why if you could get Jackie Chan for something him. like that, be like, oh yeah, will you be in like the English version too, the like main version that we're producing? Uh, yeah, seems if you weird. tell me that Jackie Chan is in yeah. an animated movie, I will show up. I will bring popcorn. <laughs> I will sit happily. I know he because he does. He'll do like the Mandarin like adaptation or the right. voiceover for whatever he's like. He did it for Kung Fu Panda, all that jazz. Right. But he's not in but, the English version. That's no, the that's weird, weird part. Yeah. Does he do that? I want to see Jackie if he does Chan that. Jackie Chan in your movies. Yeah. I always think about, I love the Lego Ninjago movie. I'm not one of those people that loves Ninjago. I know there's people that love Ninjago. Like, I'm not one of those people, but I love the Lego Ninjago movie. And it's so funny because we make jokes about Jackie Chan always doing his own stunts and he needs to stop because we're all worried about him. But he's in he's that scene man. as a live action person for literally one scene at the beginning. And he does this little trick <laughs> where he, like, throws a bunch of cups and then catches them. And then in the, like, end credits, there's just, like, 12 takes of him, like, doing it. And like almost hurting himself and oh almost dropping the whole thing. And it's like, Jackie, stop. Jackie, no. You have to stop. Like, it's a great, it's impressive. I love you. I'm so worried about you. You're so old. Please stop. Mm. Okay. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. You can continue, Keisha. I was just yeah. looking at the Wish Dragon Wikipedia page. <laughs> it made surprised. me think, though. It made me think of a movie that I had growing up, which was Wendy Wu Homecoming Warrior. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Which we is about Wendy Brenda Song is Wendy Wu. Brenda Song. Wendy Wu. Wendy Wu. <laughs> Wendy Wu. <laughs> but, like, that movie is a really good example of, like, what people think Chinese Americans are oh, focusing definitely. on. Definitely. Like, because, like, her parents both, like, neither of them, even though they're both of their parents immigrated from China, neither of them speak Chinese. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Like, they're like, I wish I was more in touch with my culture. And then the grandma's like, I brought mooncakes. So it, that's, hey, we did mooncakes. It. And then right. uh, that's pretty much it. And then they do, like, kung fu. And it's a good kung fu movie. It's actually a really great kung fu movie, <laughs> I would go so far as to say. Like, it's really fun the way that she learns all of the different arts. But it's very much like, this is the, a mid-2000s primarily white take on what it's like to be like a like, first generation yeah it like feels you can feel the white man director in the chair behind the camera and he's like <laughs> not doing anything evil yeah. but you're just like come on man <laughs> you just know that he's there and you wish yeah. that he wasn't it's just like it's like why didn't you just hire a chinese person Did, to be yeah. one writer why <laughs> didn't you just talk to just brenda one. song she's there she knows yeah to have one conversation but even like because you know there's and there's it's like, n- not a monolithic culture. Like, of there's so not. many yeah, things yeah. that are, like, a, hu- a huge, wide variety. But this movie, Turning Red, is just so, like... And I don't want this to be the only thing we talk about because there's lots of things that make this movie fun besides mm-hmm. the Chinese things. Yeah. <laughs> but the Chinese things are so good! You right. guys, they're so good! Like, the small little <clears throat> details that you can only really tell come from someone who is, like, that is their culture. Mm-hmm. Like, even... When they're, like, they do their whole, like, ceremony to honor her ancestors at the mm-hmm. beginning of the movie. And, like, the each of them get three, like, 
incense and that's how you bow to your ancestors you each person gets three incense and you hold them in between your hands when you bow and like i've never even come close to seeing that on a a, in a Mm -hmm. movie for america americans like Mm -hmm. uh, i literally was like i can't i can't believe this i can't believe my (laughs) eyes what's in front of me right now and it was right after she literally was just like fawning over a boy or like her friends were and then she went to do that like in the same breath it didn't it didn't feel like oh like let's come together this huge gigantic spiritual moment yeah and because it's not like ash and the soils and the spirits it's just like no this is just life guys and (laughs) like like, it's literally just like something you do yeah and it's just (laughs) it's exciting because like uh, the more recent pixar movies that have been like really particularly like based around a culture like I'm thinking about Soul, I'm thinking about Coco. Mm-hmm. Like are both movies that you hear the and behind the scenes Luca and and Luca. I don't think it, this is true of Luca in either <laughs> sense. Uh, but I, like I don't actually know. Well, actually, I guess it kind of is. I don't want to. I don't know. I don't want to fucking talk about Italians like they're fucking people of color. Like I'm not even gonna go down that fucking route. Anyway. Oh my god. Uh, but <laughs> oh like, god. oh no. But uh, uh, like you just hear the stories where it's like. We were like a team of entirely white people up until we were like three quarters of the way done with the movie. And then we brought on somebody from that group as a co-director at that point just to make sure it was Mm -hmm. all cool. You know, like uh, 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 what's the guy's name who co-directed Coco? Because it was like a Lee Unkrich production. And then they brought the art book. What's his name? Uh, Oh, God, it's on the tip of my tongue. What is it? Is it something Melina? You have to Google it because it's Alfred. on the tip of my tongue, and that means I'm never <laughs> Alfred gonna think Molina. of it. Like I know it. It was Alfred Molina. Um, classic. Adrian Alfred. Molina is his yeah, name. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Kent Powers. Close. Fuck, is that his name? Kent Powers for Soul, who wrote One Night in Miami. <laughs> fuck me. <laughs> Uh, it's okay. Uh, it's okay. Uh, yes, Kent Powers. I had that right. I had that right. Uh, mm-hmm. But like both tell the stories of being like, yeah. I mean, they were making a movie. They were like already in the process, and I yeah. was like, it was already the plan. And like uh, uh, Adrian Molina was like, I was just one of the animators who happened to be Mexican, and so they pulled <laughs> yeah. me up to a higher creative position, which is like, yeah. I mean, I guess I don't know, it feels good. weird, but like, it's good, yeah, though. like, would it's you like, rather but they it's not just do so that? reverse well, engineered? Yeah, 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 yeah. it's definitely reverse. I would rather, I would rather they do that, but like, it should definitely just be like, there are things that you're gonna miss when you're when they're not there to mm-hmm. like give a voice to right. that experience. Yeah, you know? I will. Like, in in that, regards, just the tiny details. Mm-hmm. In regards to Coco, I agree that it's weirdly reverse engineered, and they maybe should have done that from the beginning because they had two huge hiccups at the beginning that really just got them in trouble. The one was the trying to trademark Dia de los Muertos. Everyone on the planet was like, <laughs> yeah. "You can't fucking do that," and they were like, "Okay, we won't do it." Yeah, it's a holiday. It's just a whole. <laughs> that's a whole fucking thing. Uh, but then. They, the fucking, the people who did the music for Frozen originally did the music for Coco. And if you right, watch yeah. those, like, storyboards, it's the worst shit in the world. It's so fucking sucks. It's like a bunch of white people being like, this is what Dia de los Muertos is. I'm like, this fucking yeah. sucks. It's terrible. But- I have a good story, by the way. That, that, it's a husband and wife, like, writing duo, Kristen Anderson Lopez mm-hmm. and her yeah. husband, whose name I don't remember. But, um, I, I just have a good story on the bus uh, there was at one point on my playlist I had a, the song from Frozen 2 Into the Unknown on there yeah, and sucks. there are these two little yeah. girls who are twins uh, and when that song came on they both at the same time like not like one and then the other one like played off of it they both at the same time were like our mom wrote that song and I was like 
Okay. I was like, oh, really? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, okay. Uh, I was like, does she write music? They were like, yeah, she writes music. She also, she wrote music for like a TV show. And I was like, she, they had just written the songs for, for WandaVision at the time. So I was like, uh, uh. <laughs> Are, wait, is your mom Kristen Anderson Lopez? Does your, yeah. And then like, it was just enough. And the fact that they both were like so on it so quickly, yeah. Yeah. like at the same time, I was like second guessing myself. I was like, does Kristen Anderson Lopez live? Did their Lake? kids go to like a lower income school in the holiday Utah? I was like, this doesn't seem right. And I like, and like their mom came and like picked him up that day from the bus stop. And I like looked at her. I was like, and then I like went home and Googled Kristen Anderson Lopez to be like, was that? And it wasn't. So I don't know what the hell was happening. Those are the girls gaslit you in exactly the right way. Yeah. They're like second grade. Like the second grade twin girls were just like, yeah, our mom wrote the music for Frozen 2. <laughs> like, also oh time. my gosh, that's yeah. so funny. That's hilarious. Uh, well, I was going to say, so weird. I was going to say, in defense of Coco, like, they basically turned it around. They were like, we're, we're fucking this up in a major way. So they brought on Adrian. And then they also, for the, I mean, it's the same thing with Moana, where they had teams go down mm. to Mexico for like literally mm. two whole years to like live with people and figure it out. So of course it's better to have somebody from the culture telling that story, but I appreciate the effort that they put in, of putting boots on the yeah. ground, like trying to figure it out and like trying to give like the most respectful and like genuine interpretation that they could. But yeah, you're right. right. It's weird that it's like reversed engineered, but they try it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and like, I love Coco. Yeah, I think I it's so beautiful, Coco. like just it. to look at, and the story I think is wonderful. And I think that it is, like as far as I know, like a really wonderful representation of like Latino culture and Mexican culture specifically. Mm -hmm. um, which is why it's like so. It's it's just like such a nice breath of fresh air and like mm -hmm. good news to he hear like how intentional they were with like the people behind the scenes, the people right. who are writing, the people who mm -hmm. are directing, the people like, and it's like an all woman, like an all female team and all, yeah. all women. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. and, and that is a good thing. Like, it's really exciting. And, it's so and good. like, it, it gives this piece like a really specific voice. Right. Um, and even like the voice acting, like pretty much every single person is the, the same color of their character, right. they're voicing. Like it's very exciting to hear. It seems and, like, like you can you can tell. Yeah, you can yeah. absolutely tell. Yeah. It seems like I've been getting kind of a wake up call because like so often with movies like this, when it's like a Pixar movie or like a Star Wars movie or whatever, it's like so easy to picture Disney as this like giant fucking like conglomeration of whatever, where it's just mm -hmm. like things happening just, just like automatically on their a, own yeah I mean, like what can we do yeah and like but like yeah. it seems like lately there have been a lot of things where like i mean the the one i'm thinking of the most is the whole controversy with disney like supporting the legislators on the don't say gay florida bill and like people yeah. from the different like subsidiaries of disney like rising up like and you know voicing their support of, of of trans kids and like denouncing like the actions of the corporation mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. also like just the fact that like there has been like a really drastic sort of response to like the entire like John Lasseter situation and when i say the John Lasseter mm -hmm. situation i don't necessarily just mean that John Lasseter was a bad guy but just like mm -hmm. the culture of pixar that just like systemically oh, shunned women of animation. and made it yeah, just in but, yeah. entirely. Yeah. Um, but like, uh, but it seems like you know they're making like a really genuine effort, like with like this movie specifically, of like being like this is like an all female, like all the above the line creative talent mm -hmm. on this movie are like 
I almost said female women. Are, 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 female woman, are, women, women, women. X, uh, X chromosomes. Yeah. And it just like, it's, I don't know. It just seems like there's been a lot of things that have made me sort of like take a deep breath and remember that like, these are fucking like Marvel, Star Wars, Pixar, but also like every movie ever are yeah. fucking made by like people who are trying so hard to do the things that they care about. Yeah, and, absolutely. Like, mm-hmm. Even at even at higher levels than you necessarily realize. Like they talk about how Pixar have been like internally like trying to make stories about about queer people for so long that like mm-hmm. Disney shuts down like the actual disconnect between those things yeah. and like mm-hmm. it's just a big wake up call that it's like people are fucking trying so hard to do shit. All the time. Mm-hmm. And, well, like, and- we talk about it like it's, you know, all the whatever corporate bloated bullshit, like, infiltrates every level. Like, the entire thing is just, like, backed up. But it's, it's not. It's just a fucking matrix. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, and it's, like, it, I, I don't like pirating shit for that exact reason. Right. Because people are like, fuck Disney. They don't need my money. And I'm like, boom, Mike, boom, Mike number 12 does, though. And he put <laughs> yeah. his fucking heart and soul into that. Why yeah. wouldn't I pay money for it? First especially all, like, in this movie. Especially in this movie. He held the fuck movie. out of that boom, Mike. Yeah, he did. And he deserves it. For he deserves it. No one was out there. The <laughs> first movie that he got to hold the boom, Mike, on, he gets to point at that and say, look how good that did at the box office because Adeline yeah. McMurray didn't fucking pirate it off of some website that gave her a virus. <laughs> like, that's important to me. I want Mike, who held the boom, Mike, yeah. to feel special. His name's Mike. His name's boom, Mike. His name's Mike. That's why he holds the boom, boom Mike. Mike. That's why he was hired. They Mike thought it was hilarious. Mike. <laughs> Like, that's, I just, like, the, the idea that, like, I mean, it, we have this problem, and it, like, affects so many things, where we think of movies as just one thing. Either one person, the director, doing everything, or the Disney, the corporation, being in charge of everything. And it's just not true, and it hurts everybody in the industry and the people right. who watch the movies. Like, you gotta, you can't think like that. <laughs> you can't. Ugh. <laughs> I'm just trying to like, and I also I I don't know the music in this movie is so fucking good. It's I kind of so want to talk about Ludwig yeah, Göransson oh, so for a little while because this is his first animated movie score and it fucking slaps. I've been listening to it like all week, and like Ludwig Göransson is such a fascinating figure in film right now. Keisha's on the move. Uh, <laughs> I have to get my computer charger. My computer's gonna die. I thought it was charged, but it wasn't. Podcasting on the go, on the move. Oh God! Uh, we keep saying like, we're gonna do that, and we need to do that. I know. We we keep saying someday we'll do it. We want to like do a podcast. It's gonna happen. My, my big idea is to do a podcast about Blade while rollerblading. While rollerblading. Like, go to a go to yes. a fucking uh, uh, like roller rink with like lab well, mics attached my to our lo- lapels. My local roller rink, you can like rent out the whole place for like the hour after they close. And it's, oh, like, really? not really that expensive. We could huh. absolutely just do that. <laughs> just the three of us? Yeah, I, I think, just have I think play there should Blade be other on people. the projector. <laughs> I no, think there I should be other people. <laughs> like, it should be, like, we should be falling down. I, no, and, like, I think we need to be exposed. Excuse me, sorry. Like, just a second. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can, We still need to go to Forks, Washington, and we could absolutely do that. Right, we day. gotta do that, too. Anyway, uh, I'm talking about Forks. Ludwig Gorenson because he, like, when you look at his Wikipedia page, he has such a perfect, like, coming up in Hollywood story because he was, like, a fucking sound assistant, like, boom mic guy for so long, and then eventually he, like, got a break as, like, being the, the like, secondary composer on something, and then he got a break writing the, like, incidental, like, music for Community, where he met Donald Glover, mm. 
and became his producer on all of his Childish Gambino records just because they were buds. And then uh, met uh, Ryan Coogler and just became Ryan Coogler's go-to composer. Those were his, like, (laughs) early, early gigs were, like, Fruitvale Station and Creed. And, like, for some reason, Ludwig Göransson has become this go-to guy when it comes to, like, minority filmmakers. Like, <laughs> making movies. Yeah, That's yeah for one. some reason, like, Ludwig Göransson's just the guy. Uh, which is just hilarious. He's, like, a fucking German dude with, like, long hair. Like, but he's yeah. just so fucking good. And he did the Black Panther score, which rips. It does And rip. the Tenet score, which is the best score of ever. And now he's. This is his first right, animated zero days movie. Since we talked about Tenet, and I've uh, the big old zero. <laughs> and this is his first animated movie, and it's so cool because it's like, it's got a lot of the like you know fucking shamisons and flutes and like gong percussion in it, yeah. you know. But it's also working entirely with this like sound font of like early two thousands ass mm-hmm. boy oh, band. Absolutely. Yeah. Like it's like equal parts like flutes and shamisons and like. Uh, like fucking bell synthesizers and like, and, like drum beats. ridiculous yeah. ass yeah. like drum machines yeah it's so fucking good I think it's the score so for this good. movie is incredible I and, love... it's, and it like makes sense in the context of when they play it like it's not like yeah. May's running through the halls at school and it's like they know their time and place yeah yeah like it's just appropriate when the music happens I love, I adore, like, this, what we were talking about, like, it's so clear that the people who made this, like, have an experience of what they're talking about, like, because, like, the 2000s culture is just so on point, like, it's just absolutely, <laughs> the fucking, when she gets home, because she has, like, the her, Tamagotchi. like, the Tamagotchi, <laughs> but she has, like, her bad girl outfit that she, like, wears when she's, like, rebelling, and she's, yeah. like, with her friends, and she could be herself, and then when she gets home, she, like, takes that off and puts on her sweater, like, the way that they affect her costuming is really, really fun, but the fucking stickers the that she puts on her ears, the the running shoes, yes. The running, but the stickers on the ears is earrings. Oh my god! I had the little. They were stars. They were little clip-on earrings before you had your ears pierced, mm-hmm. and you would wear right. those. And the fucking yep. choker necklace or the back like, in the like je- oh. the jelly one. The jelly. Uh, oh my god! It's accurate information. It's absolutely, it's is. so it's good. Crazy, and like I just. I just feel seen <laughs> a lot by this movie as like, obviously I, I was born in the year 2000. So I got like the aftermath of the two thousands, but the, it, they did the two thousands never really stopped. <laughs> like they just like kind of bleed into like 2010. They just keep going. But like culture, baby, it, it really is. But like the the scene where she's drying, I love looking back at my old <laughs> Those drawings. Those drawings are so funny. They're so oh, they're so accurate. That is exactly how a thirteen year old girl draws, right, yeah. and she thinks it's incredible. And she's got all these weird, stupid thoughts, making of a mermaid. Like, oh my god, it is so, <laughs> so accurate. I can dig up a sketchbook right now and be like, yeah. yeah, that's what it fucking looks like. Oh my god, like it's it's so when she's like just doodling. And then she's like, it kind of looks like Devin. <laughs> like, is Devin hot? Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, I love that. So that's what it's like in middle school. It's You're so, like, I hate that guy and his stupid face and his stupid muscles <laughs> and his stupid person. And then you're like, oh my god, I think I'm in love yeah. with him. <laughs> well, I love that scene too because she's like, it kind of looks like Devin, and it doesn't. <laughs> no, so it doesn't at all. It looks fucking. It's, it's, a, it's like a boy him. with a bucket hat. He's on. wearing a bucket hat. That's right. It. And I love that her 
mom walks in and is like, is that Devin? Like, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was going to say, okay, on that point, though, this is like, I, I have like two sort of minor gripes with this movie that mm. are kind of connected. That's okay. My biggest one is that I feel like the quintessential actual middle school experience is is like being fucking mortified by everything but none of it is actually yeah. a big deal right mm. like being being in like eighth grade and being like if if my mom catches me masturbating i'm gonna go to jail like <laughs> fe- feeling like that's what's gonna happen but it's mm. never that way right you're always mortified yeah. that people are gonna find out about well like whatever and but even I if they I remember walking down the halls of middle of my middle school and like I hear someone laughing behind me and I'd be like they're laughing, they're laughing at me. At me. there's something what is wrong that? like there's something right. there's like there's something wrong with my shirt something wrong with my shoes I don't like and like they're literally laughing <laughs> yeah. right yeah and they happen um, to be behind where I am <laughs> and like and my thing about this movie is that it like I thought that was where they were going like I thought that whole sequence where she finds mm-hmm. the journal and barges into the convenience store I instantly was like, this is like a dream sequence. This is like what she's imagining will happen because it's so ridiculous. But then Mm -hmm. that's like just what actually happens. I feel like my biggest thing about this movie is that things that are profoundly mortifying are actually happening to her. And like her drawings get out (laughs) and the boy is like putting up her drawings all over the school. Like that's Mm -hmm. horrific and not the kind of thing that ends up actually happening in real life. Like I feel like a more acute observation is like you imagining that's what's going to happen every single day of your life. Yeah. But it never fucking does, you know, like, I mean, or I don't know, maybe it happens to somebody, but like, you know what I I mean? I think the idea that she is, well, the point of Mei Mei is that she is very confident. She has a lot of self-esteem. She doesn't right. have those anxieties. Mm-hmm. As we see her, like, running around with her friends, like, before everything happens, in the before times. Like, she doesn't have this, like, insecurity. She's very confident. She is, like, being a silly 13-year-old without any of the mortification yet. And then right. I think that scene is where she learns to be mortified because right, it's horrible. Right. And then from that point on, well, that's when she gets the panda, and then that's what... The puberty is. That's what I'm embarrassed mm-hmm. by everything. I'm embarrassed I'm a panda. I'm embarrassed that everybody's right. looking at me. Like, that is the situation that makes the thing that you're talking about. Like, we see right. that happen to her. Well, and also, like, you see that she, like, is so confident in those things because this is what she thinks her parents want from her. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's pretty, like, that is, I don't know. Because, I, I mean, but, like, from my experience of, like, ch- very Chinese grandparents, like, a Chinese mm-hmm. mother, like... That is kind of the thing where you're like, I'll get good grades because I'm supposed to get good grades because my parents told me I should be getting good grades. I'm going to be good at band because my parents told me I'm supposed to be good at band. I'm going to come home and I'm going to do this. And like, like you fall in line to all of those things. Mm -hmm. And she does say like, I want those things, but it just so happens that my mom also wants those things. Yeah, exactly. Which, like, I I have, like, very distinct memories of me being like, yeah, same. Like, I mean, like, I do want to be that way. Right. But, like, also... Does, is it because my parents want me to do it? <laughs> right, I, I, don't, yeah. I don't really know. I, I, yeah. I don't have the capacity to even differentiate those things. Right. And then when she does get the panda and she has that, like, taste of freedom and you see, like, her grades are dropping a little mm. bit and she's, like, interacting she's with like other people outside of, like, her yeah. friend group. Yeah. <laughs> like... That I like that is like the mortification that happens in like a young Chinese girl's brain is her parents <laughs> coming in 
<laughs> and just right. like infiltrating that space in a way that like is foreign and like right. different than how other parents would. And it just felt it felt like pretty accurate to me. Right. Even to the point where I watched this movie with my family the first time and my mom literally 30 seconds before it happened in the movie went if it's four town, why are there five of them? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I, like an echo. Like, <laughs> maybe as well. Like, why are there f- five of them if it's four town? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? Oh my god! Uh, yeah, no, I watch, I think that's. A, I think that's such a generational thing because the first time I watched this, I watched it with my boyfriend's family. We're all sitting down and we're watching it, and I hear my boyfriend's dad go, "Why are there five of them?" And then the mom goes, "Why yeah. are there yeah. five of them?" Like they just right. knew. They knew that's exactly the first thing the parents were gonna say. It was why is there five mm-hmm. of them? They knew. I always it's think not about why they're called four towns. The, ben Folds Five. There's three of them in that band, and they always say we named the band the Ben Folds Five just because we thought it was funny. And they went the entire rest of their career. People asking them, "Why are there three of you if you're called the Ben Folds Five? And they're like, mm-hmm. "It's a, it's a it's bit." Funny. <laughs> we thought it was funny. It's a joke. Yeah. Uh, See, because you don't have the forethought. You don't have the forethought <laughs> at that age to be like, "That's actually gonna suck for us." Yeah. <laughs> people are gonna be confused. But yeah, and like the other thing, the other thing I wanted to say, like on the on these points, was like, I I feel like they ride a weird line with the mom. Because they alternate between her being a really well-realized, really interior, really three-dimensional character that you can really relate to, mm-hmm. and the T-1000. <laughs> like, and she kind of <laughs> yeah. goes back and forth between those two things. She's either, like, an unstoppable juggernaut of embarrassment or, like, a real person. And she yeah. kind of flips-flops back and forth between those two things. But that's kind of, like, how you see your parents when you're in right. middle school, I yeah. feel like. Where, like, some days you're, like... I love, oh, I love you. And yeah. other days you're like, literally, get out of my life. <laughs> you juggernaut. Like, you T-1000. <laughs> you learning computer. Like, I, may I tell you a story about my grandmother you one may. day where we, like, they flip-flop sometimes. Like, right. <laughs> between those two things where my, like, my, like, my family, we were up there to visit and we were having dim sum right before we left. And my sister loves this dish called cha sao chang. And my, my, all of my cousins do. And the, you can't really get it in Spokane. It's just not super widely available. Mm-hmm. And I've also noticed, and eh, this is not important, so I won't say it. But, um, like, it's just, it's, she loves it. And they didn't have it at this restaurant we were at at the time. Like, they, they were like, it's too early. We're not making it right now. Like, we're just not doing it. And my grandma walked into the kitchen, started <laughs> talking to people, and said, you need to start, you need to make this dish right now. You need to make it. And they did. They oh made God. her three plates of it to take home. And like, literally, I was like, there, there were other people in the restaurant. Like, they were Go. busy. They were doing things. And she she sat there and said, you need to make this dish. And they did. Like, that's how, like, you can just think, like, it happens yeah. sometimes right. where it's just like, this needs to happen. I'm going to make it happen. I have the ability to make it happen. Right, yeah. yeah. Well, it's gonna get done. Well, assuming the guys in the back of this restaurant who are cooking are also Chinese, I think when the Chinese grandma walks into the kitchen and says, "You make yes. this," I think you're gonna make it probably. <laughs> They're like, "Yeah, sorry, sorry, it wasn't already oh done." <laughs> yeah. oh, but like, yeah, sometimes you'll be like, "No, don't. You don't need to worry about it. You don't. Right. You yeah. don't need to be here." And they're like. Oh, I'm already on my way, and I already brought snacks. Like, sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like when she's like, "I'll go with you to, I'll go with you to math club," right? Because mm, I'm really good at logarithms or whatever she said. 
something like that, yeah. You're like, no, please don't do it. Please uh, don't come. <laughs> but I also, here's uh, here's Adeline uh, letting her dog out of a room for the third time yeah. this podcast. Uh, bye, Franklin. Bye, Franklin. Uh I want to talk about, like, the the style of this movie, quote-unquote, like, the imagery of yeah. it, because, like, um, I mean, it's, it's like, so profound, the fucking effect that t- Into the Spider-Verse has had on the animation industry. Oh, totally. And it is, like, so, it is so rare that something in art, in corporate art like this, can be so fucking cut and dry, where it's, like, mm-hmm. every major animation company... From from DreamWorks to Pixar to Walt Disney to to Sony Animation, whatever. Blue Sky, yeah. Blue Sky are doing more <laughs> or less the same kind of thing. Like, they're working to make things yeah. look like real life, kind of. And, mm-hmm. like, being a very sort of simple stylist, or, like, simple sort of, like, stylistic approach where it's, like, we want to kind of make things look like reality. So that way when big, ridiculous animated things happen, mm-hmm. there's kind of a... But that was, like, what everybody was doing. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah. Spider-Verse was, like, the movie, <laughs> like, the individual movie that just, like, broke everything, like, went way outside the box, like, had mm-hmm. this profoundly stylish, like, ridiculous uh, uh, way of doing Every things. Every character looks different, yeah. Yeah, and just, like, blew the doors off what people were doing in animation. And there was, like, two years afterwards, like, obviously, where it's, like, it hadn't actually caught up to the event of it, but, like... Where people were like, yeah. this is going to be a big deal. Like, this is going to change the everything. temporal pincer movie. Yeah. And, yeah. like, <laughs> and, you know, I feel like everybody spent, like, a little while being like, I sure hope so. Like, yeah. I don't know. And then now we're here, like, three years later. And it's like, fucking, yeah. Like, not only yeah, is Sony Animation, like, going yeah. way out of their way, but, like, that new DreamWorks movie, The Bad Guys, has this, like, that really unique, awesome. interesting. Yeah. That looks really cool. Puss in Boots looks fucking looks, sick. Looks so good. Puss in Boots. <laughs> Puss in Boots. And it feels like it feels like uh, Walt Disney Animation is kind of the only animation company that hasn't had like a profound stylistic shift since then. Mm, And like we'll see. I don't know what their next project is. Stylistic shift will be to 2D. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. I mean, I think I think Moana really did illustrate a big change in the way that they presented especially the disney movies like looking at like how different like tangled and moana look and even like frozen and moana like it is so like tangled looks like frozen both those do not look like moana Mm -hmm. but then like moana and raya and frozen 2 all kind of look like each other like they definitely have had a change but they're still in the same like (laughs) philosophy of like oh we have a very stylized Mm -hmm. look that we want to keep and it's semi-realistic but still with like exaggerated style um marketable exactly but Luca and Turning Red both now have mm-hmm. like you know not that it's it's not mm-hmm. like Spider Verse it's not like this profound fucking reimagining of whatever but like mm-hmm. it's noticeably different things are stylized and cartoonish and like not only just like the rendering yeah. and like the design of things but the actual animation and the way things move is so totally different than like mm-hmm. the standard style of Pixar for years earlier because even before. Like, Pixar was known... Felix, like, Pixar has, like, a tone that is, like, really naturalistic, mm-hmm. very realistic. Like, like everything... Pixar movie you're like, like, this looks almost like real life. The way the voice performances, the way people are animated, everything is very real, very sort of, like, natural. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and Luca, when we did our podcast about Luca, I felt I feel like looking back on it, I was a little unsold. I was a little lukewarm on it. I was like, yeah, it's it's good. I was sold. But like, <laughs> but since then, I've really, really come around on Luca. I really think Luca's maybe my favorite Pixar movie in the last few years. And like, oh, I thought you were gonna say your whole Pixar. No, movie. not my whole Pixar, yeah. but like, <laughs> but like, I really love Pixar. Luca. Jackson and, loves Incredibles. Um, I think that it's. Like, so much because, like, not only is, like, the design, the drawing, quote-unquote, of it is different, but also, like, the voice performances are different, the way it's animated mm-hmm. are different. It's so much more... Monster! It's so much more, like, representative than it is actually trying to mirror reality. Mm-hmm. And I think that Turning Red is, like, you know, taking that even further. And, like, I especially mm-hmm. noticed the girl yeah. in this movie. I don't remember her name. She's not, like, an actress. I mean, she's a little May, girl. May, oh. I mean, the oh, actress. Yeah, she's... Because mm-hmm. they're all children. They're yeah. all, like, yeah. actually, like, teenagers voicing these, these people. Right. But, like, the voice performances in this movie are so sort of presentational. They just, oh, like, yeah. say things. Like, they're not, like, a naturalistic stuttery, like, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. they don't talk like real people do. They're very, like, explicit and to the point, and they speak very bluntly. It's they just the script. say mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it feels totally normal. I think the voice performances are all really well calibrated around that tone, and it's just so profoundly different than, like, the house Pixar thing that I think is really, really, really great. Um, and Sandra Oh is the mm-hmm. mom, also, which we haven't yeah. mentioned mm-hmm. yet. Um, yeah. But I just think it's so great. Like, I really, I stylistically, I really, really love what this movie is doing. Oh, yeah. It's so colorful. It's gorgeous to look at. Like, it's just, yeah. Like, I, I talked about this before. I think it must have been with Luca that I said this. But it's like, DreamWorks movies, their color palettes are always very realistic. They're always kind of dark. Like, looking at, like, Kung Fu Panda. Like, they're very, reli- like, realistically kind of dark colors. And Pixar 2... Like, I mean, obviously there's a lot more bright colors, but it's, like, still, in like, in that realistic kind of muted palette. And then this movie, I feel like they just, like, turned to color, like, up to 11. Yeah, like, her yeah. hair, her clothes, her bedroom, the sky. Oh, my fucking God. Yeah. Can we just, I have, like, three things I want to bring up. Can we just talk about the fucking kaiju at the end of the movie? Because <laughs> so I think great. that's the coolest shit in the world. <laughs> Which it's is so a kaiju. Cool. We're not going to argue about it. It's definitely a kaiju. <laughs> She's a kaiju yes. for sure. It's yeah. so good. Like, it's just like when so you, like, you hear the dad say, it's like, oh, she was a really big red panda. And you're like, huh, okay. And she gets mad and you see the mist. And then yeah. there's just a fucking shot of her just like walking through the buildings on her way yeah. to the concert. You're just like, oh it's my so fucking funny. God. It's so good. And Damn. I was going to say just a brief little thing just about the colors in this movie. There are yeah. times at the beginning of this movie where she's the panda, like out in broad daylight, yeah. where like the colors actually like look a little bit washed out. Like, you lose yeah. a little bit of, like, definition on her fur textures because mm-hmm. the colors are, like, so bright, they're, like, a little bit blown out. Like, the exposure's yeah. turned way up. And you're like, yeah, that's so weird. Like, I mean, it's fucking yeah. Pixar. It's not like they just made a mistake. Yeah. Like, they're doing yeah. that on purpose. <laughs> it's not like, like, it looks bad. That's, yeah. that's, a, that's a powerful effect, like, that yeah. you notice it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, like, that's what's so fun about, like, just a little side tangent of, like, Luca and of turning red where right. like both of these directors did a Pixar short beforehand right. and you can see the same style in those and then like they're allowed to just go like all the way to 11 mm-hmm. with that with a in, full right. budget. in their yeah. future films yeah. like it's so exciting and like hearing the way that uh, like they described like it's an homage to like anime and like different cartoons oh, that like right. a yeah. lot of kids grew up watching that especially like 
if you were like an Asian looking kid and you came to school with like a Pokemon whatever or like right. anything, mm-hmm. you just just get like read to filth by anyone. <laughs> like it's just it's exciting and nice to see things that like I grew up with and that mm-hmm. a lot of people grew up with that like you had to just kind of like keep to yourself or you either had to just like face bullying with (laughs) and like they're just like being celebrated in this like huge way it's just so nice Mm -hmm. just like uh. and i think that like i mean it just goes to show that somebody at pixar was listening to our podcast about soul where i said everything looks (laughs) too real it weirds me out and you guys said jackson you're a fucking (laughs) idiot and we don't like you i think that soul is the worst movie ever made and i think that soul is a d plus movie that's definitely what happened yeah i said i think soul's terrible and they said and they said jackson's right jackson's right and these two these two fucking broads he's doing this podcast with are dumb idiots (laughs) these two fucking bimbos yeah and they're like jackson's right we need to fix this yeah they sonic the hedgehog to their film yeah Uh, yeah actually did you know that originally turning red was gonna be pixar's first live action uh, film and they were like oh god oh no (laughs) oh no we gotta start over uh did you know, by the way, uh, in the early 2000s, I was just reading about this. Brad Bird was trying to make a live action movie at Pixar. They, he was like trying to get Pixar oh, to like fund a live fuck action you, movie. Fuck you, Brad. Get uh, out of here just with that. Would have been fascinating. I wonder you what would have happened. Yeah. Like if they had done that, if they had been like just a regular production company yeah, like, who like made other been? movies. I would be. Too. I would be sad. That's the end of <laughs> <Okay>. it. <laughs> I would be sad. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it just goes to show that, like, I don't know, I, I, you guys were on the wrong side of history and are dumb, and I was correct and very smart. No, I think it's good to have both it's of those. It's good to have both. I think both are good. I still just sort of both stand by the fact that I think that Soul was them kind of, like, pushing animation, like, as far as it could go in that direction. At the time, of, like, yeah. Making it, no, like, in general, mm-hmm. like, making things fucking so yeah. hyper-ultra-realistic that they were like, okay, we've, we've done that. But I don't even let's, think Soul is that, pivot. though, because there's so much stylized shit going on with right. the animation when you're in the before, with the in animation, contrast. the way that the people look, even in the mm-hmm. world, the way that people look, like, there, there's a style to it. Obviously, right. it's just not a one-to-one yeah. comparison. Like, I just don't think that argument works. Like, I get what you're saying with the textures, but, like, it still has tons of style. It's not just a dude walking down the street. His head's like a fucking pinto bean. Like, it's not... <laughs> I know, that's why it's not the same. I mean, no, that's what I'm saying. Good. I know that there are stylish, and honestly, I feel like Soul is kind of a precursor to the direction that it's going because you see all that style in it. In yeah. the in the like beforehand, there's a lot of like really specific, really mm-hmm. interesting choices being made. But I st- I still stand up for the fact that like all the real world stuff where everything looks as realistic as possible is weird, and they were like pushing the medium like as far as it could go in that direction. And any more than that would have been horrific. I also think that's what's important to the story of Soul because we are very clearly trying to tell you a story about reality that living is worth doing just for yes. the sake of living. I so agree. we're trying to capture what reality looks like and its most full, beautiful extent to get that point across. I think it's valid for it to That's look true. ultra-realistic. I don't, I don't disagree I with really any like, of that. I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> I'm gonna come <laughs> to your I really like the opening title, the, the opening title card of this movie, of Turning Red. I thought it was really it's funny. What does it say? <laughs> When she's like dancing oh, yeah, right, around yeah. the like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, love- just trying to talk about turning red. <laughs> yeah, again, seriously. No, but I like, want to beat the shit out of Adelaide. I want to. I'm gonna fight you. I love in this movie in Turning Red. Hello, Turning Red. I love. I mean, I just I, they just like I've already talked about. It, they just nail this like 13 year old pre- puberty for a girl just like so well. And like I think 
I mean, like, the, the, the conversation being, like, what's appropriate to talk about when you're talking about puberty. I think it's a very right. important conversation to have when it's, like, adults mm-hmm. looking back on puberty. Like, obviously, you're an adult, yeah. but you weren't an adult, and this and, is a like, child. And, like, children like, yeah. will be watching this. Yeah, like, exactly. Right. You want to keep it appropriate for different well, ages. Well, I, I think this and, like, Tina Belcher are, like, the best ways to do that because like they are they are horny they like they are having these sexual awakenings they like under they want to go out in the world they're creative they're like awkward all these things but they don't know they are not educated like they don't like they have a sexual awakening but they don't like really know what to do about it and they like kind of do so then it like comes out in all these weird awkward ways of drawing men as mermaids and stuff like that but i think that's so good like like, that's the perfect way to do it. Because, like, a 13-year-old's not going to be like, yeah, I want to fuck. Like, it's just, <laughs> right. like, that's yeah. not what it's like. So, like, yeah. even if looking back on it, you're like, oh, that's what I wanted to be doing. It's like, yeah, but that's not what you were. You didn't right. know that. You were just like, that guy's really hot, and I don't know what to do about it. So I right. drew him yeah. as a mermaid. Like, I just, I love <laughs> that depiction. <laughs> I think that, like, my favorite thing about the boy band in this movie about Four Town is that they're like not even that good. <laughs> like I, know. I think like I think like specifically like the way that they like animate their performance, quote unquote. And they're just in, like, at like the concert at the end. Yeah. Like they don't come across as like especially beautiful or talented. They're just like seem like they're just kind of doing their thing. Like they're not yeah. that incredible. Like the boy band's not even that good, which but I think is perfect. But they're singing from their heart. Yes, they they're singing are. From their heart. And then they there's the bit good. at the end where they're singing Egg. and you've got Robert with the tear running down his cheek. It's so funny. Yeah, so good. Well, I love I, it's they nailed boy bands. Like, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, like as a as a backstreet as a backstreet believer for life. <laughs> like they even do like a backstreet move at one point. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, oh, yeah. Oh my god. It's just, it's so true to how it's like, there's three of them that people actually like, and then there's, there's the, the other, other two ones. that are like, yeah. and they're really talented. And they're really, yeah. they're really also, they're talented. talented. Yeah. yeah it's and like they the, can the, sing and dance the, really the cute good. one, yeah. the smart one. Yeah. And, they, and they're also there. We also like them. They're yeah. good. We like them a lot. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, I remember, like, when I was younger, we would all, like, assign each other. Like, right. you can have this one. My cousins and my sister and me, we were like... I like Joe the best, right. and she likes Nick the best, and Maddie, you can have Kevin. Yeah. Kevin. <laughs> she I'm, was the youngest. I'm Justin Timberlake, you're Joey Fatone, and you're the other two, I don't know. And you're the other <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. But it's just like, I it's love, so good. I love her little group of friends so much, and how they are, like, illustrated. Like, I love how they're the one that just doesn't emote and is always reading Twilight, and I love the, like, moments that she has with the other yeah. girl at the party. I just, like, right. love that. It's so good. But, like, they're just, like, I mean, the way they all look different. They all look incredible. Like, they just, like, the fucking, they all just look like they're yeah, straight out of the 2000s. And I love the scene where, well, because the scene where she, like, throws them under the bus with their mom. And their mom is like, I always knew that you were bad. Well, first of all, backing up. I love that scene when she, they see the commercial for Four Town and she goes, does your friend like Four Town? I never really liked your friend. And you just see her internalize that. And right. I'm just like, oh, yeah. damn, that hurts. That hurts yeah. so bad when you know that your parents like don't particularly like one of your friends that much. And you're just like, ooh, love yeah. that moment. And then going when she throws them onto the bus and they have that reconciliation at the concert. Right. I love that reconciliation because it is so middle school and the way that the whole movie has been so middle school where they're right. just like 
You threw us under the bus. You're dead to us forever. But I've been secretly taking care of your Tamagotchi this whole time. And it's okay. Like, it just, I love it. Like, it's so... I've had that conversation when you're 13 and you've, like, fucked over your friends and you're like, I'm sorry. I was going to say, that's one of those things. I can't believe you guys didn't decorate my locker for my birthday. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't ask you to, but you should just know. You should have done it, yeah. Uh, No, I mean. You should have known when my birthday was. (laughs) That's one of those things is, like, it's interesting because our parents were never very judgmental of, like, things like that. When it came to, like music or movies or whatever. Like I never I never got any judgment. But even still, yeah. like the urge to like things that your parents think are cool is so strong when you're a teen. Yeah. Like I just remember like always trying to like get my dad's like iTunes library or like trying to be like, "Uh, uh music nowadays is so bad, right dad?" And he'd be like, eh. yeah, you see, like, oh, I agree. Yeah. But that doesn't even but, work with our like, dad because he loves all music. Exactly, I'll get in yeah. the car with my dad and he'll be listening to the 1975 and I'm like, go off, dad. Yeah, no, I mean, that's 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 what I'm going to say. Like, you know, our dad was always like, my, our dad is like so good at like just liking the music he likes. Oh, yeah, and, he's like, awesome. I remember being yeah. in the car with my dad and him playing like Nelly Furtado and being like, I fucking love this song. And me being like, yeah, I mean, he didn't say that exactly. But yeah. being like, I like this song like, so good. It. Was, he basically said that. It was Man Eater by Nelly Furtado. <laughs> and yeah. my dad was like, this song rules. Yeah, it's a great song. And I was like, yeah, it does, great dad. <laughs> but then I remember there being a crucial moment a little bit later in life where he was really into California Girls by Katy Perry. And I was like, I don't like this, do this song, dad. I'm sorry. Hold on, I don't. Hold on. Um, here's no, that what he's into good. now. That he's song's into, good. He's into the metal cover of California Girls now. He's really right. into yeah. metal covers of pop That's songs. That's also probably good. Yeah, he awesome. likes that a lot. <laughs> wild, does. wild west coast. These are the girls I love the most. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> My dad really loves like weird mashups and like weird genre covers. Oh, of, like, he loves them. Pop yeah. songs. Oh, I love that. Like, yeah. fucking, That's my favorite oh, what's thing the, ever. What's the clown singer that him and mom love? Uh, oh, Puddles P- Pity Party. Uh, yeah, they love him. Yeah. <laughs> He's awesome, though. I love that guy. <laughs> what, our dad? No. <laughs> Puddles Pity Party, <laughs> not our dad. <laughs> yeah, Puddles Pity Party. He's awesome. He's I love that sad, guy. so sad. He's Shout so out to sad. you, Dad. He sings such sad songs. <laughs> yeah. But they should be happy. Uh, 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 where are we at with Turning Red? This movie also, can I say, this is something that I think we've talked about a couple of times in the past couple of Pixar movies right. is that they're not that funny, but this movie is this funny. so funny. It's funny. It's yeah, so yeah, definitely. Funny. It's really funny. That yeah. when she like, when her mom's running, running to like help her and she's like, you forgot your pads. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, <laughs> yeah. that's oh, LOL. Just the shot. No, the perfect shot is her when she's like, your mom's outside and you see her look out the window and the mom's just like behind a tree. It's the funniest shit. Yeah. They're like, so funny. and the security guard has to go out and she's like, he's like, um, ma'am, uh, you can't be here. <laughs> well, he's just, he, it's so funny. It is such it is like the perfect Karen moment. Cause if you listen to him, he goes, he's like, hi, Mrs. Whatever. You got to go check in at the office. Yeah. And then she just starts attacking him. <laughs> She's like, Oh my God. I think it's that like, so I still think the funniest moment in this movie is the, is when they're at the concert and she's like, Oh, your mom's going to be so mad. You're like, whatever. I don't even care. What's she going to do? And then like hard cut yeah. to the panda coming from behind his skyscraper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's so funny. It's so, it's so good. Funny. Oh it's my really god. Funny. <sighs> I love. I yeah. just. Uh, oh, I love it. But, but yeah, I and I think. 
I love. I think one of my favorite moments. Oh, I'm, go ahead. I'm gonna go. <laughs> you go. <laughs> one of my favorite moments in this is uh, uh, because I I made a tweet to this effect because I've watched this movie twice now. I watched it on the day it came out, and then I watched it again mm-hmm. just now. Okay, for brag, this. brag, humble, humble brag. brag, humble brag. I got lots of spare time. <laughs> I, uh, I watched the movie twice. <laughs> twice, um, but like. I feel like there's a certain thing with Disney and Pixar that, like, these movies are just such, like, technical fucking masterpieces. Oh, yeah. And the bar is so high for what they are and what they can be that, like, even a movie like this, like, the first time I watched it, I was, like, kind of nonplussed. I was just like, yeah. Like, yeah, it's It's fucking great. Like. But, yeah, you know, whatever. Like, of course it is, you know? And, like, you know, and then I watched it a second time and I was like, I feel like I can actually, like, sort of tune into this a little bit more and, like, actually feel it as opposed to just being like, yeah, of course. But it's, it's just great. like, yeah. it yeah. feels like every single fucking time you're just like, yeah, of course. Of course it's a fucking masterpiece. Like, yeah. it's a. Yeah. I mean, that's literally what our Bugs Life commentary was. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's, it's the worst, worst one, one. It's but good. it's good. It's like, that's good. just. Yeah. It's I mean, not a, the worst one. Yeah. Wait, it's the worst like, one of, like, the two? first ten years of Pixar. Okay, that's, but that, that's a whole that's different fair. nugget. Yeah, yeah, like, this this first, the, this being, like, it's on their own. It's their least grossing movie ever yeah. was Bugs Life. We weren't, we weren't into the Bugs. Yeah. And that's on Woody Allen. That's on Woody that's Allen. That's his fault. Pixar's in a really good place right now, I feel like. Oh, definitely. Because, like, feel- their, their sequel period, like, plus Good Dinosaur and, like, Brave... Like that, like early 2010s yeah, zone. We were like that not was, sure what we were doing. Yeah, it was like, oh man, is Pixar like bad now? Like, is Pixar like done? Inside Out came That's came true. out in that time period though, where it was like they're still there. They they still got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I love Brave. I love Brave. Is it totally out of left field for Pixar? Yes. Yes, it is. Like it had no place being. I'm not there. a big Brave fan. I like Brave. It's Brave good. is in my bottom three. I've she definitely seen it. I don't Pixar. remember a single thing about it. I watched it with dad. That is definitely a mother-daughter film. And then my dad was just like, did you like it? And I was like, yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. But like, here's the, I, what I've been hearing so much in the recent years is that like, Oh, it doesn't feel like a Pixar movie. It doesn't feel like a Pixar movie. And we've talked about it before, right? but I think that like studios are allowed to change their style. Right. And we just need to be cool with that. And, like, also, you're saying that as an adult person, so why are you surprised that, like, it doesn't feel the same as when you watch Toy Story 2 (laughs) in theaters? Like, of course it's not going to feel the same because you're Mm -hmm. not a child anymore. But it's still good, and it's still, like, they're still having so much fun being inventive and, like, telling a more, like, nuanced story for kids. So it's just, like, chill out, bro. What you yelling for? Dylan just said in the chat, Brave was the first Pixar film where a mom turns into a a bear, which is true, and we don't give it enough credit for we that. We don't, you know, a brave yeah, you're walk, so turning red could run. That's fair. <laughs> but I was going to say, it's because John Lasseter has such a hard-on for Ghibli. Like, he fucking right. loves... Before, back in the day, before you watched a Ghibli movie, you had to listen to John Lasseter talk about how much he likes it for ten minutes right. before you could watch the movie. On so, every like, DVD. he loves, on every single DVD, he loves Ghibli. And then you don't really see any of that, like, what makes Ghibli Ghibli, and obviously that's what John Lester likes about Ghibli. You never saw any of that really in (laughs) Pixar films. Like, 
Like, the idea that, like, animation is supposed to, like, represent feelings instead of be literal. Like, that's, like, the big thing. It's, like, and the opposite of that. what Literally Pixar the does. Opposite. Yeah, it's, yeah. I would say they're, like, very different ends of the spectrum, which are both good. Oh, absolutely. And, but and, it's and I strange. enjoy both of them. But, they but go it's, in like, a- imagine there's a girl who tur- her parents turn into pigs yeah. and she goes into the spirit world to reconcile her relationship with her family versus, like... Wouldn't it be cool if, like, toys could talk? Yeah. If they were, like, real? Like, like, that's, real? I yeah. mean, that's sort of the thing. I think that's sort of what set Pixar apart is kind of how literal all those movies are. Yeah. Like, they're knows. not very representational. They're sort of weirdly grounded and, like, sort of, like, you know, realistic, quote unquote. But, like, I mean, that's just the best way to put it. They're very literal. Like, there's, like, yeah. a really strict cause and yeah. effect and, like, things happen with internal... Rule like there's so many rules in Pixar movies, you know. Oh, definitely. But I was gonna yeah. say, getting into turning red, especially that scene where the dad is cooking and he's like mince, mince, like mixing up the vegetables and like doing the saute and stuff like that. Because right. like Ghibli is famous mm-hmm. for its food because it's yeah. so much about what it feels like that their food just looks incredible because it's like what it feels like versus what it literally looks like. Right. And I could like see that Ghibli touch in that scene where he's making the food because we're trying. It's like. We are trying to show you how wonderful and delicious mm-hmm. this food that she grows up with in her house is. That there's just so much love behind it. That he's like all the arts and the flipping and how the way it looks. It's just incredible. Yes. And then that's how like I see like the Ghibli influence finally touching Pixar after like 20 right, years yeah. or whatever. Like they're finally like, oh, this mm-hmm. is what we liked about that. We should right. try to do something like that, you know? I will say though, that scene is the most unrealistic scene in the movie because her dad looks at her dumpling and says perfect yeah. which would <laughs> never happen never happen it would never happen it's a the nice best you'll ever get is hmm good, good. Yeah. there's a nice dad in good. this one she's got a nice dad she's what a got good an dad. Awesome she dad. Has a nice no 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 that's the thing that's the thing that i also like she, her dad's great she has good parents yeah but he wouldn't say her wouldn't pleading say. was perfect <laughs> she could never have perfect pleats we got we got Mr. Mr. Tiny Coin Dog in the chat with with doing some good work, doing some Lord's work with some doing some Lord's work with some reacts. Uh, not sure if they're in response to anything in particular or just general vibe setting, but either way, <laughs> keep it up, man, man. Uh, uh, but yeah, like it, I don't know. It's I and I think that Luca is definitely kind of the most Ghibli esque Pixar oh, movie De- that's in what a lot of ways. Said when it with came the fish. yeah, because yeah, it's just it feels so casual just like slice so of life small yeah. it's like i feel like that movie is genuinely really transgressive in it's like smallness for oh, like definitely. a big major yeah. budget animated american movie you know mm-hmm. which is what i love about it and i think i definitely think that turning red is definitely slanted more in that direction but i don't think it's mm-hmm. nearly as mm-hmm. no, nearly as ghibli not. as luca is definitely not but i was gonna say but in like you go ahead. Oh, you can go ahead. <laughs> okay, I was gonna say, we're great at this. We're great at podcasting. We've only been doing it three years. Yeah. yeah. We'll take turns. I was, <laughs> I was gonna say, I love the introduction of, like, uh, my. I, I think there's a way to phrase this where it's a good take and a way to phrase this where it's a bad take. The bad take version <laughs> right. to phrase it is, every single Pixar movie is about family trauma now. And then the good way to phrase it is, I like mm. that Pixar's talking more about families. It's <laughs> right. like, I love... Yeah. I loved when we introduced the grandma into the situation and the way that mm. the mom interacts with the grandma is just like, 
I mean, the scene at the end where she's talking to her mom in, like, the spirit world is fucking heartbreaking, where she's just, like, crying, and she's like, I hurt my mom, and I'm never gonna be good enough for her. It's just like, right. oh, fuck, damn, dude. Mm-hmm. And, like, right. when the grandma shows up with that scar, and you just immediately put all the pieces together, and you're like, right. oh, holy fuck. Like, that's yeah. that's a lot. Like, it's not... Because, like, the the struggle between the mom and the daughter, of course, is elevated because we have, like, the magical panda situation going on. But, like, the <laughs> There's struggle... that whole magical panda thing. <laughs> of course. <laughs> the whole magic panda bullshit. But, like, the core of, like, the disagreement and, like, why they are not getting along is, like, regular puberty reasons. It's like, oh, I'm not... I don't think I can live up to her standards. I want to be my own person. She doesn't like that. Like, it's a very, like, regular conflict. But then the conflict with the mom and the grandma... It may have started that, and then has just gone on to be something just huge and insurmountable, and something that neither mm-hmm. of them can like work out and get past because of their right. own issues. Because like, yeah, she fucking literally physically hurt her mom, and there's just like nothing that they can do to fix it. Yeah. It's just like that's really rough, and that's really right. hard to talk about. And it's just like it's just so much, and the way they handle it like so quickly, and the way that the grandma interacts with May May, and she's like you have to fucking stop this or you're going to hurt somebody. Like, it's right. just, it's yeah. so good. It's well, and so it's good. cool. It's cool that all the, all the aunts of the grandma, like, you know, still have their like thing and they still like, you know, turn into the pandas at the end mm-hmm. because it just mm-hmm. like, it's part of this metaphor. That's like, you know, shit doesn't go away. Like, yeah. you know, you grow up yeah. and you do successfully you learn you. how to deal with it, but you it still it. Yeah. exists. And it's not like it could come out at any moment because they have dealt with it. Mm-hmm. And when they choose to unleash it, they're kind of choosing to unleash it, you know? Yeah. But mm-hmm. like, it and is well, something, like, it doesn't just go away when you like turn 18 or whatever. Like, you still yeah. have fucking I'm complicated, cool. yeah, weird feelings. Out. Yeah. yeah. Well, and even like to speak to that, well, I've especially like coming out of like, countries that were pretty specifically, like, targeted during World War II. Mm-hmm. And, like, how that generational trauma oh, has yeah. kind of, like, splintered down. Like, that is represented in this movie where, like, I've, I've spoken with my family about this where it's very surprising how little they want to talk about stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, the, and, and, but they live with it every single day. Like, and... My grandma, like, in the past couple of years has really been, like, vocalizing a lot more things that happened to her when she was, like, dealing with all of that stuff. But Mm -hmm. even, like, it takes so much time and, like, so much effort for her to even deal with it because it's just so painful. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's the same thing happened with my mom. And I've noticed that with, like, a lot of people, like, our generation and a little bit older. Mm -hmm. Like, they're the ones who are really starting to talk about it. Oh, absolutely. Because otherwise we're we're just, like, carrying it. And so, like, to see that represented in, like, this very traditional, like, Chinese like jewelry like the brooches and like that jade bracelet Mm. especially that um like her grandma wears that's like a type of bracelet that like once you put it on you never take it off Mm -hmm. so like it's like and that's just like a little subtle thing that's like i can't believe she's taking this off for her 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 daughter Mm -hmm. right like that's a huge thing or even that she has Um, her panda spirit trapped in that something she can literally never take off and never release is like right Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm like, it's just so, it's, and it, it's so beautiful to see, like, Mei Mei say, like, no, like, I, I'm gonna live with it because it's part of who I am, and I'm not ashamed of that. Like, I don't mm-hmm. need to hide it. Like, it's just, like, there's so much, uh, like, of, like, culture that a, a lot of immigrants have felt like 
they've had to hide away and like I need to just blend in and I need to be as normal as possible mm-hmm. and for like it's it's just so freeing to be like I I'm not ashamed of it I'm just gonna live with it and like mm-hmm. I want I want people to know about it I don't want it to be a secret and people like it right like yeah. they take pictures <laughs> with her and she makes merchandise yeah. that's, <laughs> I didn't see the movie going that direction it's that's so the funny. thing that's the thing about this movie is that it is Teen Wolf this, this movie is, is Teen, Teen Wolf. Teen Wolf. Yes. Teen Wolf. I love Teen Wolf. <laughs> Teen Wolf I love is great. Teen Wolf. And this movie's also very good, but it's a Teen Wolf. I'm just doing Teen Wolf. Um, we did Teen Wolf again. It's fine. It's true. As a, we could have Teen Wolf again as a treat. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, I love... For some reason, Teen Wolf has this reputation of, like, being a bad movie, but it's not. It's good. And no, we like it's it. good. We like yeah, Teen Wolf. Good. We did and, Teen like, Wolf. We should do Teen Wolf. And like, let's do Teen Wolf. We, we already do Teen did Wolf. Teen Wolf. We we'll already did Teen Wolf. We can do it again. <laughs> I didn't get to do it. Uh, but like, <laughs> not for this podcast. Uh, it's just so funny, like how many of those like beats it shares, like her being in the bathroom having just turned into a monster, and her mom, who is also a monster but she doesn't know yet, is trying to knock on the door yeah. and be like, I wanted, "Everything okay?" I wanted that moment where he opens the door as a werewolf and he opens it, and his dad is just <laughs> standing there, also a werewolf. <laughs> a werewolf. Yeah. yeah, it's so good. Uh, uh, and like, you know, and the whole thing where it's like, oh, they're ashamed of it at first, but then they realize that people like them for it and they start to kind of yeah. exploit it for their own gain. And then they have to be like, wait, do people like me or do they just like the werewolf? And they come to terms with that. And that's like, you're like, oh, this is so much Teen Wolf. And hey, this movie's good because Teen Wolf's also good, you guys. Because <laughs> Teen Wolf is good. I love, though, I love that the first like little joke is you think that like you assume the mom is like no she's talking about the panda thing right yeah like you're like oh she knows the it's the panda but she really is fully like no she just got her period yeah <laughs> like, i love uh, that shot like, where the mom like, when is she like she came back with that box and she's like i brought you some these are tampons and i was like oh she really she she doesn't know about the panda right now yeah <laughs> this is I love, a surprise that shot is so funny when she like knocks on the door and she's like is it your period you just see the dad just go like it's just like yeah. <laughs> this is not for me. so funny. Uh, this is not for me. Yeah. <laughs> I also think that like um uh I, I think that they're like I mean, I don't know. Obviously there's ridiculous religious conservative t- talking about puberty yeah. people that hate this movie. Yeah, 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 which yeah, I yeah, said yeah. we weren't gonna acknowledge, but whatever. Um uh, but I think that there's like a little bit there's a, a specific tonal thing in this movie of like this is about middle schoolers being cringy and embarrassing. Yeah, that's and the like, movie. Sometimes that is literally embarrassing to you, right? Like sometimes you watch it and you're yeah. like, oh, stop. Oh, God. When they like, start fucking oh, singing to her in her bedroom to make yeah. her feel better, that's so fucking middle school. It's <laughs> so like, middle school. Yeah. It's it just, I mean, it might it's kind of a taste thing, but it's just like you have to ride that line of being like I know, I know what they're doing. I know that this is not like, this is cool. And like the line yeah. between like yeah. celebrating like kids being obnoxious and embarrassing while also sort of acknowledging that it is embarrassing, embarrassing. and yeah. kind of annoying to watch sometimes. And it's like, you gotta, you gotta ride the line pretty, pretty good. And I think this movie does, yeah. but like, I think some people just can't get over it. Just like, it's well, cringe. Yeah, it's, it's cringe. Yeah, like, yeah, I don't, no, it absolutely. is, but like, that's the bit. I don't know. I'm embarrassed well, like, about it. Know. So I have to hate it like <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. And like, 
as a, I literally work with middle schoolers, yeah. so like I'm, I'm around them all the time. Right. And like I'm I like I go to visit them at, at their school. Like I do all this stuff. Um. And so it's I think that people just really underestimate middle school because it was hard for them. Right. And like it was hard for me. Like you know it's weird. Middle school's weird, and it it's it's hard to balance like being in this in-between stage of growing up and, like, still being a kid. Right. But, mm-hmm. like, it's also awesome. Like, it's really it wonderful is, yeah. to see, like, these teenagers learning, like, and they're having their own thoughts and, like, being able to think abstractly for the first time. Like, physically, mm-hmm. their brains are just now learning to think abstractly. <laughs> right. And, like, still having this joyful, wondrous spirit and not... And, like, not being concerned about the things that mm-hmm. are, like, cringy or, like, weird or, right. like, that make them special and unique. Like, they, they live in these two worlds where they have, like, these deep thoughts and they're also so silly. Like, and it's just, mm-hmm. it's good. I love seeing, because there's not a lot. I feel like in Western media especially, this isn't as, as true in, like, Asian media, but, right. like a lot of times they'll age them up or they'll age them down. It's like, you're going to be 10 mm-hmm. or you're going to be 16 and there's no in between. Like, I don't yeah, want to yeah. see right. that. But like, in in like a lot of Asian media, like the main protagonist is like 12, 13, 14 years old. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's really fun. It's fun <laughs> right, when they're yeah. that age. It's a really special. I mean, I just, Aang <laughs> is the perfect example of that. Yeah. Like, Aang is a blast and yeah, he's like 12, so sometimes he <laughs> right. says stupid, embarrassing mm-hmm. shit. Like, I mean, just all of Avatar is so much fun because the cast has such this, like, wide, wide range of ages, but it's all between, mm-hmm. like, 12 and 16 is, like, the main cast, and it's so much fun. Like, it's right. fun. Uh, I also think, like, it's, uh, uh, <laughs> I do this thing on the podcast sometimes where I have a thought and I, like, mm-hmm. register it, be like, say this next time. Put that and then away. I yeah. and then I just remember that I had something locked and loaded to say, and I just start talking, knowing that I did, and then I'm like, "Oh, I don't oh, remember I what it was. It I was locked. It. Uh, it was loaded." We're talking about oh, the only moment. I mean, I don't know. I just it's just a perfect representation of like, I don't know. It's weird. It's an interesting line to have to walk to be like it's normal and healthy and should be celebrated when teenagers, especially teenage girls, are doing embarrassing shit. But also be like this. Mm-hmm. I mean, like it's not. It's embarrassing still, though. <laughs> like yeah. writing the line between <laughs> yeah. being like it's still this is normal yeah. without trying to be like no, it's not annoying. <laughs> you know, yeah. like <laughs> yeah. And I think like the bit at the end like, where she like just is walking around with like ears and a tail. You're like, don't yeah. do that. Stop. <laughs> yeah. Please stop. It's this so is so I'm so, so, in, I'm so, so embarrassed for you. School. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, when her friend's like, I always wanted a tail. And you're like, yeah, we can tell you've always wanted a tail. <laughs> but this is, I think it's just perfect, though, because it's the same thing. The first thing that they do for merch is make ears and tails. And all right. the middle schoolers are wearing yeah. ears and tails because of fucking course they are. Right. And I love that scene at the end because I think you are kind of the mom in that scene. Like, as the audience, you're right. like, you can't fucking yeah. do that. You can't, and then you when can't. She, and then when she's like, well, fucking whatever, I'm a middle schooler, you have to be like, yeah, you are a fucking middle schooler. Like, you know, like, yeah. like yeah. go make mistakes. Go, go make yeah. mistakes. It's going to be, and you're going to be okay. It's gonna you're be literally going to be fine. Listen, all the girls that drew fucking Dan and Phil cat faces on their faces with Sharpie <laughs> in the locker room for PE, they're all fine now. Yep. <laughs> I think. I hope. Yeah, and you're, and you, you grew up. And they're fine now. And also, maybe, maybe they're all nurses, but it. it's fine. <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> I want to say shout out to Canada. Shout out to the Blue Jays. Mm. Um, to the to the Sky Dome. We love uh, Tim Timmy's on the on the on the table in the morning. She had some Timbits. That spoke to me where they were literally having juk. I call it, my family calls it juk or but congee porridge. Oh, yeah. And right. Timbits in the same meal. <laughs> I was like, this is just the best movie of all time. I'm so excited. <laughs> just Tooks, Canada. Just I'm just saying, I'm glad that this takes place in Canada. We need more it's Canadian representation in Western media. Mm. We love Canada. <laughs> the end. See, I love, I think we're kind of wrapping up, but I love, I love movies, especially children's movies, when the bully character isn't really a villain. I love that kind of stuff, where it's like the bully who obviously has their own issues and has their own baggage is like going through a thing. And obviously they're acting as an antagonist, but they're not a villain. And I love, I love in this movie at the end where he's, where Tyler's at the concert too. And the girls are just like, hell yes, Tyler's at the concert. Like, I just love that. I think it's fun. I think it's wholesome. I like it a lot. Uh, so I got I got to get out of here soon. Uh, yeah. So we can start to yes. wrap it up. Any final final thoughts? Final judgment. Turning red. Good. It good. Good. Here's my final thought. You're never not on my <laughs> mind. Oh my. Oh my. The songs are really good. It's just, it's just great. It's just great. It's three it was all songs. that I wanted to be and more. You wanted what to be more? Let you cry. It was everything I wanted to be oh, and more. Gotcha. This film was yes. good stuff. <laughs> exactly so, what we wanted. Uh, oh, and oh, real quick. Uh, obviously, fucking bullshit that they didn't put it out in theaters makes me so mad. Oh yeah, oh yeah, fucking no. bullshit. Oh, pisses me off. Third time in a row. What the hell? What the hell? It why? Makes it, listen, during yeah, but they're but a. Re- they're, we're going back for Buzz Lightyear. Yeah, I guess yeah, so. Fucking stupid. Listen, it made sense during COVID. I think it was the right move during COVID. Now that we're yeah, in a like different yeah, like soul made sense. Yeah, now that we're in a different place and it is safe for people to go out as long as they're being fucking responsible. It should have just been in the theaters yeah. when you're releasing everything else to theaters. It should have been in the theaters. Like, why not just do the they fucking Netflix it. thing where you're just like, it's yeah. in select theaters yeah. and also on streaming at the same time. Like, Netflix yeah. does that with basically every movie. I saw most of the Netflix movies I watched this year I watched in theaters. Because they just put them in theaters yes. for, like, a couple so weeks. Stupid. Just do a limited yeah. release. Just do it. Just do just it. Do yeah. it. I'll go see it. I'll give you my money. <laughs> I literally will. I'll give it to you. I watched mm-hmm. Being the Ricardos in theaters like a fucking chump. It's a bad movie. <laughs> oh, no. Jackson. <laughs> I spent 15 bucks on that shit. It wasn't even good. Oh, I'll do it. Did you get a snack? <laughs> no. Oh God, Jackson! Well, yeah, so there you I go. Watched, <laughs> I watched *Being the Ricardos* and *Don't Look Up* on the same day. I did a double oh feature in theaters. Oh my God! I paid and for how both. How did you not just? Wow. How did you not just throw yourself <laughs> down the stairs yeah. afterwards? I mean, I don't know. *Being the Ricardos*, I thought was like fine the first time I watched it, and I like I love Sorkin movies so much. I could throw on a Sorkin movie like whenever. Yeah. They're just like kind of relaxing to me. So I was like, yeah. I'll throw on *Being the Ricardos* again. Like I thought it was acceptable the first Fine. time. I'll just yeah. throw it on and I watched it a second time. I was like, this blows. This sucks. I don't like this at all. I like Javier in it though. Javier Bardem doing the Lord's work. Hey, do you guys want to hear uh, a one-star review of Turning Red from Letterboxd.com? Not really. Oh, I don't. I don't want to hear a one-star, but I'll listen to it. This person says, who is this for? 
I don't even understand. Maybe I'm just too dude core, but this just seems like a nightmare for everyone. L movie. Next time, make a movie about dudes with swords or something. Oh my god. Oh no, dude core. Oh, that kind of took a turn, though. That, I feel like it was uh, intentional. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I yeah. could try this another is, one. Do you want a different one? This satirical take. But I just love it. I see all those stupid tweets that are like, who is this for? And I'm like, it's for Keisha. It's, it's not for it's, you. It's for, it's for it's me. For it's for me and my cousins and my sister. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. Get the fuck out. Uh, so anyway. I'm just, it's honestly kind of rude. <laughs> yeah, honestly. That you're watching Keisha's movie? Like, come on. <laughs> that, yeah, this is my personal experience. <laughs> Turning red, the Keisha Rhodes story. <laughs> it's true. Uh, so I have something to tell you guys. I'm a giant red panda. <laughs> so, hey, my the name's Jackson time. McMurray. My name's Adeline McMurray. My name is Keisha Rhodes. I, my alarm just went off that said, Jackson, you need to go to work now. Mm-hmm. Like, you need to go to work now. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. You need to go to work now. <laughs> go to work now. Goodbye. Go we'll see now. you guys next Bye. time.